0: Support for Lilo Podcasts comes from listeners like you, who are masking up, washing their hands, and looking out for one another. DC for
1: you. DC for you.
0: to another little old episode of uh, dc for u on this little old podcast network. And that is the end of my attempt at a New Orleans accent. So thanks again for tuning in. This is going to be an interesting episode of dc for u because uh, I'm joined by a new-ish cohort to our... Uh, I guess we're not really calling these airwaves. They're internet waves. Whatever the hell we're going to call that. But I'm joined by... A very special guest for this review of the brand new DC animated universe film, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, which just had its world premiere at DC Fandom Part 2. And that leads me to the introduction, the final introduction of my esteemed guest. I've built him up uh, a little bit here over a course of many seconds and it is from the casual geekery Mr. Stephen Ferrari welcome to the show
1: ah, thank you for having me back having oh I guess this is the first time on uh, the new podcast this, right?
0: this is the rebirth so it's is, uh, it could be your first time here or it could be your millionth time here as we know from uh recent comments from Scott Snyder everything counts
1: all right, so Dr. Manhattan just ported me over from the other universe to this one. Uh, I'll just have to get used to all the changes. I'll
0: be okay well, uh at least it was just Dr. Manhattan and no further mention of Perpetua or the Batman who laughs, need be brought up uh,
1: I, I yes, and you know if it was if it was Barry Allen who did it, I'm sure everything would be a lot crazier uh,
0: that's very true, or he'll just you know get to the point of you know being run ragged and being convinced that the only way to fix all of this is just to run back and create another flashpoint at which time your universe is completely wiped away in a bright flash of white. Who knows what comes after that? And then they just say, Hey, you guys want to start over again? (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. And thus that leads us to this new animated film, Superman, the man of tomorrow, which follows a justice league, dark apocalypse war, uh, which if, you didn't get that from the giant spoiler i just dropped uh ended in just a bright flash of white and that's it that, that you know,
1: was that was one of the most depressing superhero animated movies i've ever seen uh and i was so glad that everything about that just got wiped away at the end
0: it you know it it was a fitting end uh to that universe, which admittedly had some some good ups, but it had a lot of uh, very disappointing downs. And yes, that-
1: I enjoyed a lot of stuff that they've done over the last was seven years or so with those movies. Some of them have been absolutely great, and I have rewatched some of them a few times. But that that last movie was just like, wow! I, yeah. I just every with every passing minute i was just like i what are they what is happening and i just wanted to cry
0: but at least it all finally came to an end and uh it seems that that creative team's time with dc animation is uh all but over i guess uh and that brings us to this new movie which uh if we if certain reports are to be believed is the beginning of a brand new interconnected DC animated universe. And this time they're starting instead of, uh, you know, with Batman, they're jumping in with the other, uh, big mainstay of DC. And that is Superman. Um, which is of course the way to go. Uh, generally speaking. Yes, I agree. I think that you start with Superman, uh, and it's, it's just it, it lays a, a more compelling groundwork to me and it sets the tone really for everything going forward and with man of tomorrow uh i would say that things are decidedly different from anything that we've seen from uh from dc animation up to this point uh now it's not to say that this feels Wildly different from things that you may have seen before, not absolutely not. I would actually go I would actually say that this feels uh, very uh traditional Superman if i'm yes. if I'm going to to call it anything uh and I guess I would start my review by saying that I don't find this movie's plot to be necessarily all that deep, but What it lacks in depth of plot, it more than makes up for in depth of character. Uh, So there's... That was my impression.
1: There's always a risk
0: when you do another
1: origin story for a character like Superman or Batman or Spider-Man. We've seen the origins for these characters so many times, played out over different... Movies and TV shows and comic books and what have you, that when, if you're going to do it again, you have to bring something new to the table and you have to bring something interesting and you need to make it yours. And I think that the team on this, on this new movie, on Superman Man of Tomorrow, just made a perfect transition into a modern era with a new updated origin for Superman and Clark Kent. They made it modern. They brought it into the, the the present day and they didn't skip a beat. Everything made sense and it did not have to be done in a depressing or dour way. And I was very pleased with that.
0: Uh, I was absolutely the same way. I thought that, uh, the way this was handled was tremendously well done, uh, for the most part. There, I mean, every movie has its downsides, and every movie has its upsides. And this one's no exception. Uh, but they brought in some some new blood to do the directing and the animation, and it, man, that's that was one of the things that really strikes me about this movie. Just from the the first look at it, was. It's animation style. And before we really delve too heavily into the plot, I want to just get to the look of this film. And the the aesthetic choices of Metropolis, uh, the look of the character designs, pretty much just the, the whole kit and caboodle. And for me, uh, I think that they definitely went for that uh, kind of a crossbreed, if you will, of the John Byrne era and uh what the various artists on uh Superman American Alien were going for uh and the the look of Metropolis uh even pulled uh from Superman Birthright to me like it uh, it had that kind of city of tomorrow feel to it it looked like uh, a very futurist vision of what a modern city could be uh and I, I found that to be really interesting in just the, the look, the aesthetic, just what, uh, you know, they, they were really trying to drive home how this was a forward thinking, like a very future thinking uh, style of, uh, of living in city. And that, that's another like, thing that I can give the uh, the animators and the, uh, the writers credit for is that uh, they made that city actually feel like it was a living, breathing thing. Like this is this is where people actually do work and live. This is not just like background for Superman or whatever other alien threat to come in and smash up. It's This is an actual place. Uh, the only thing that fe- maybe feels a little out of place is a very traditional uh, newsroom <laughs> being in the middle of it all with the Daily Planet.
1: <laughs> there is nothing out of place about a traditional newsroom.
0: How dare you! <laughs> I know, but I, I had to get my uh, my jabs in somewhere, that, and that was my spot. That, that was my last spot for that. But having working in a, the right
1: now, the only thing out of place about uh, seeing a traditional newsroom in a major metropolitan city was that it was still open. Yeah, that's a completely <laughs> you know, that's a completely different story.
0: Uh, now. Uh, the animation style on this did it strike you as being like a cross between uh, Archer and Venture Brothers?
1: Yeah, I mean that was the first thing that I saw when I was when I was watching the clips for it, the trailers for it when it came in. the 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 heavier lines around the characters and the more defined features, I guess uh, is the best way to put it. I really liked it. I I thought it fit so well with the universe that they created, as you were saying, in the city around there. um, It just – it looked very modern and it looked very – it was very appealing.
0: That's that's exactly how I I felt about it. And at first, I'll admit from the trailers, I was a little worried if that animation style was really going to work. Uh, especially for the type of story That they were trying to tell But man if there is one place Where this movie shines It is in the action sequences uh, Oh yeah They are breathtaking at times Like the You feel the gravity Of of these punches Whenever like Superman like, At one point like knees Lobo in the face And then like smashes his head Into the ground And I was just like Man, this is a really close-up like action scene. Like if you were standing far enough away from this fight, you wouldn't have even really been able to tell what was going on. But just being there in that moment, it, it you just you feel the weight of all of it whenever it's happening. Uh, not just in terms of you get hit yeah. with
1: some shockwaves on some of the yeah. punches.
0: Yeah, it's not even just that. It's like it's not act. It's not violence for its own sake. It's like they're actually effectively telling a story with the fight scene that's happening and for me that is a a huge huge deal like if you are going to have action and this level of violence in a movie you need to actually be able to tell a story with it you need to be moving your plot forward not just you know being smashy smashy with it that's that's not what this should be about and it wasn't it was was done incredibly well Uh, but that's that's really my my gushing over the uh, the animation style of this film. I think that it worked out even better. It, it worked out way better than I could have imagined it because I I came into it with pretty moderate to like low expectations of the animation and wound up walking away almost with the same feeling I had when I walked away from uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse because the trailers for that. Really, I found kind of jarring uh the the animation I thought was just a little too all over the place it didn 't seem like it was going to work, and then I saw the movie in practice and had to eat my words because it wound up being just one of the absolute most beautiful things I've ever watched on uh on screen and right. <laughs> this is similar, but more it even winds up feeling more traditional. It feels like a return to form. For DC animation which is something that it has desperately needed uh, for a while now before we get into discussing the actual plot of the film uh, we'll put the little disclaimer here from this point on there be spoilers ahead so if you haven't seen the movie you don't want to know what happens uh, including a whole bunch of easter eggs and other ways that this movie potentially sets up a future franchise uh, turn it off now Go watch the movie and then come back to this point in three, two, one. Steven, let's just get into the the overarching plot of this young Superman. Uh, I would say this is basically like – this is how I imagine Superman year one. Uh, yeah. It's Superman not yet taking on that name at least at the beginning of the film. We spend most of our time with young uh, Daily Planet intern Clark Kent, who is still trying to figure out his place in the world and asking a lot of uh, you know, conf- or being confronted by a lot of big questions about what is his role, what should he be doing, and what is he, you know, uh, I'm not obligated to do, but uh, what does he have a responsibility to do with the level of power he has and Given the uh, the state of the world, and we see him experiment with a, a lot of different things. <laughs> so, uh, what uh, what jumps out at you? What is what is it about this movie's plot that really like uh, works for you? Why does the why does this work, or why does it not?
1: Like I, I like I mentioned, you know, just the modernization of everything. You know, he comes to Metropolis, and he's trying to find his place. And he doesn't just walk into the Daily Planet, the, the biggest newspaper in the country, and get a job on the city desk and everything's hunky dory and everything's great. No, he's he's working his way up. He's trying to figure out if he belongs there, if this is what he wants to do. You know, I really enjoyed. I really like that part of it, um, just because the the original way of. Bringing that forward was even as a kid was just like really that that seems a little unrealistic, um, but just having him question, you know, it, what he's going to bring to this world, um, you know, they did it so well and they did it without getting uh, maudlin about it. And having that doubt without making it upsetting, I think was, you know, it just shows that they're on the right track with this. And the evolution of Clark Kent into what he's going to become, it just felt so natural and it just felt so bright. Um, I really thought that they nailed every plot point, every step of the way that, you know, this, this, this felt like, you know, from the, the goggles and, Um, and, you know, uh, Martha Kent sending him uh, the cape because she saw it on that nice man in Gotham who seems like such a nice hero um, with, with the little note uh you know, it it was it was very sweet.
0: Uh that's how I that is a lot of how I took it too. Like there there is a, a sweetness to this movie that we haven't had in a while. It's uh it feels like a real like optimistic uh view of Superman and heroism. Uh and while this movie does have some big action set pieces that uh, that we mentioned before uh, this movie's got a lot of heart, and that's that's where its real strength is. Because at its core, this is about a young Clark Kent trying to figure out who he is and what his, like, not just his place in the world, but uh, like where do, like what does a what makes a hero? Like what makes a champion? Should he? Should he be more than just another person making their way through the world? And that's one of the uh, fun parts about including Martian Manhunter in this story, which seemed a bit out of left field at first. But then the more you think about it, the more sense it makes. Because here you got these two guys who are the last of their kind, uh, respectively. And they have very different philosophies. Uh, when it comes to being part of humanity and like dealing with humanity at all, like Martian manhunter takes more of a uh, stay in like keep to the shadows, keep yourself hidden don 't reveal what you are or what you can do to anyone and Clark kind of has a the exact opposite feeling he is he 's like no i I feel like because I can do these things it's Automatically puts a level of responsibility on me to try and make the world a better place and to help out where I can. Uh, and it's the beginning, I think, of a lot of larger philosophical questions that uh, that Clark will have to answer going forward uh, from this point. Now, that's really another. Uh, that brings me to another point of this film that i think it does so incredibly well and that is uh ma and pa kent uh i think that all of their scenes are just spot on like they they nailed that whole like we're afraid for clark but we also think that he is here to do something much bigger than just exist he's here to change the world in a positive way um, and while they are afraid for him they are also like very encouraging and uplifting and that's something that I found uh, just so refreshing to have back because for a while now it seems like in the comics in animation and certainly in live action we just haven't gotten that like really uplifting feeling from the Kents and this movie like goes for that traditional version of them. In fact, it, it felt to me like they were pulled straight out of the John Byrne run. Uh, like they, the animators and the writers of this film uh, spent a lot of time reading that and said, you know what? That's exactly how the Kent should be. Let's put that into just a a, a modern context. And it, you know what? It worked. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you make a Superman movie. There is a reason that the traditional version actually is, you know, popular and has endeared for so long. Uh, yeah, it's a it's it's the
1: John Byrne version with a Smallville twist. Yes, I think because you know I, we we've thankfully moved away from the decrepit uh, old older. Ma and Pa Kent, who look like they're in their seventies when they when they get the, the baby out of the, the rocket ship, and you know can actually raise him and not you know keel over when he's fifteen. <laughs> um, and I, you know, the 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 Smallville um, way of doing things was has been a welcome change to the mythos, I think. And I felt a lot of those two things, both, you know, as you said, the, the burn Mon pocket along with what they did on the, the TV show, uh, really just came through.
0: Uh, it absolutely does. That's, I love Smallville. I love the Smallville take on mon pocket. I think that that was, uh, maybe the the best live action version that uh that we've had uh other than the versions on Lois and Clark which are still uh for me uh some of my absolute favorite yeah those uh, those, two, Superman those two
1: versions of mon and pa Kent are are one and two for me yeah that's
0: that's where i'm coming at it from and i'm just so happy to see you know Clark's parents uh, his adoptive parents alive and that yeah. they they play in it uh a huge part in this movie. Uh, but another uh character that I didn't necessarily expect uh in Clark's first outing as Superman would be uh Lobo. And you know his when he first comes on the scene I'm not really feeling it. I don't think that uh, – I didn't think I was really going to, uh, to enjoy this take on it. But as it goes along, Ryan Hurst, uh, who does the voice of Lobo, really kind of settles into a groove and winds up becoming one of my absolute favorite parts of the movie. He is hysterical. Uh, and they... I kept waiting to hear whenever
1: Lobo spoke in the movie. I kept waiting to hear Brad Garrett's voice Same. who did, who did uh, the voice of Lobo in the Justice League and Superman animated series because the of all of the updated characters uh, in this movie and all of the updated animation uh, figures that they had, I felt like Lobo, they stuck to the more traditional look. There wasn't a whole lot different between the way Lobo uh, looked and acted in this movie than they did in previous iterations. So I was just thrown off a little bit every time he spoke. But as the movie went on, it, he, he absolutely became a little bit more comfortable and I got a little bit more comfortable with it. But it just th- it threw me off for the, the first few minutes that he came on the scene.
0: Yeah, uh, it was the it wasn't just the voice; it was the cadence and the delivery because I was used to that yeah. Brad Garrett version too, and that's that's how I think of Lobo. But the longer this went on, I was like, you know what? I could really buy into Ryan Hurst as Lobo. It was, uh, it, I can't. I'm trying. I'm having trouble thinking of uh, another voice actor that kind of like grew on me like so quick, like in this same way, like somebody that I wasn't really. Uh, like really up for uh at first but then the longer it goes on the better it gets but still that's that is Lobo uh in this movie I think that he is uh I've, I feel
1: like that's a good description of Lobo in most in most versions of him yeah. whether
0: it's in uh
1: animation or in the comics
0: yeah, you hate, you really hate him at first and then, <laughs> and then uh, after a while you're like, you know what? I actually like this guy. He's pretty funny and uh, he gets and I, the best really physical liked- comedy at the end. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. And I really like his inclusion here because it's like you were saying about Manhunter and Superman, the last of their race. You know, That's Lobo too. Yes. So he fits in to that theme of people who are alone in the world finding each other and you know despite the fact that he and superman have a knockdown drag out to begin his his tenure in the film you know they start to have a kind of bond that you wouldn't expect and it, just like a a rapport
0: it's uh that is one of the things that uh it's actually a criticism I have of the movie or something that that leads to is a uh, – or led to that is a criticism I have of this film. Uh, but more on that in a little bit because uh, there's another character in this movie who is also kind of like them, uh, not necessarily not the last of his race but certainly the last of his name and as, so far as we know, uh, and that would be Lex Luthor. Uh, who's voiced by Zachary Kinto of uh, Heroes fame, and I guess of Nosferatu or however that show is, an American Horror Story. Yeah, that. Uh, his Lex at first seems kind of unremarkable to me. He uh, is this combination of the. Uh, the burn run, not so much the burn run, but uh, you know that modern Lex who is the billionaire, but also they're trying to have it as he's the mad scientist as well. Like he's got a, a little bit of both thrown in there. And to me, I'm I'm such a fan of the uh, Michael Rosenbaum and Jonathan Shea version of – or John Shea versions of Lex that – that's kind of where I go. And I'm also a huge fan of the Clancy Brown take. Like he's less mad yeah. scientist and more like uh you know, he's a tech billionaire, but he's also uh you know, just not necessarily I guess not necessarily evil at his core, but he sees himself as the Superman. And that's not quite what we get here. We have uh Intrepid reporter Lois Lane, who is a a grad student actually. She's not even a full-fledged reporter yet. Uh, She does this big takedown of Lex at the – in our very first uh, meeting of him because he uh, has sabotaged his own uh, rocket launch. So it kind of feels like they're trying to make him an Elon Musk kind of character. Um, The
1: eccentric billionaire who is – feels like he's smarter than everybody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what he's doing. And it's a trope that we've certainly seen before. Uh, I think we saw this same trope actually in uh, a couple of episodes of Lois and Clark. Maybe even the first two episodes of Lois and Clark were similar to this. But they wrapped that plot up um, pretty quickly. And that's how Lois Lane uh, established herself as like the new shining star at uh, the Daily Planet. Uh, and that's going to lead me to uh, when Lois Lane is uh, voiced by uh, Alexandra Daddario, uh, who does a really fantastic job. I thought that she was a great Lois, and that uh, her uh, chemistry with uh, with Superman, with Superman voice actor Darren uh, Chris was uh, pretty great. They uh, they actually worked really well together. So I'm, I'm hoping to see I'm hoping to see and hear more of these two together in the future, but. Yeah, this version
1: this version of Lois felt more realistic. It was a confidence and in her abilities that you know, she she knew she was good at what she was doing, but there's still that she's young and is able to make missteps. And you know, it, but it's where she learns from them that makes her As good as she is. And I really enjoyed that. Um, As far as Luther goes, Zachary Kinto is working on a curve because I was so not a fan of Rain Wilson's Lex (laughs) Luthor. Yeah. It was so out of place in every other version of the character that it just drove me nuts. Uh, and I, I just, it never once grew on me to the point where like, all right, now this is part of the movie. I can take it. Every appearance that Rain Wilson did as Lex Luthor was just to me horrible. So Zachary Kinto's version was better than that. So that's a, that's a thumbs up for me. Uh,
0: yeah, he grows into the role and they certainly expand, uh, the, the philosophical take on Lex Luthor especially at the end of the movie. Uh, And one of the things that I I did want to, to kind of ding the movie on uh, and mentioning it with Lex is a good time as any is that they, uh, there are a couple of moments in this movie where they tell us and don't show us. Now, of course they don't, they don't necessarily have time to get to every single thing, so some stuff is going to get glossed over. Uh, but there is a moment, uh, for example, on the uh, the Kent farm, whenever we're flashing back to, uh, to one, and to its credit, one of the few times we flash back to Clark's childhood. And the Kents are debating on whether or not to have the, the big discussion with him about his origins. And uh, they've kind of I think they've already told him at this point that he is a, an alien being that he's not from earth and that this uh this crystal uh, uh contraption that they found with him is from his home planet and of course uh Clark is like toying around with it on his own he can't figure out how to open it but during at one point during the debate uh Jonathan mentioned that uh he lifted a tractor with a finger so it was very likely that he was going to figure out that he was not necessarily human uh whether they told him anything or not and i was like boy i would like to have seen that you know uh,
1: yeah so but we've I, seen it before
0: i, I know but i feel like
1: we've seen it every time that this has happened uh, you know
0: i, I just yeah. i just don't feel like it was necessary uh it's uh it's not. I get one. what you're saying. Yeah, it's. I, I just. You know. it's, it's. not the most egregious example of it, but uh, yeah. the most egregious example is actually with Lex and Lobo because there is a point where you know uh, Lobo has been beaten by Superman and like a combination of Superman and Martian Manhunter, and is somehow imprisoned. And I found I found that to be kind of amazing that they had a way to imprison Lobo at all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, having never encountered alien beings of any kind but it's, it's
1: their it's their first encounter with people from with extraterrestrial beings
0: and there's already a containment unit for it i know that's insane i was like wow these folks are talk about a city of tomorrow these folks were prepared um, not only that it's not just that part it's the part where uh this is during a a, a parasite attack where uh which we haven't even mentioned parasite yet but uh he Basically causes uh, a breakdown at the uh, the prison in Star Labs where uh, where Lobo is being held. He breaks out and goes on about his merry way. We don't know where he goes or what he does, but uh, Superman at one point realizes that he needs help to stop Parasite, uh, and he needs help that from somebody who's way smarter than than he is and somebody who has dealt with the uh, the type of Things that create a parasite in the first place, so he goes to uh, Lex Luthor in prison and is like, "Hey, I need your help." Uh, he's he's actually like Superman's been depowered at this point because Parasite drained him in a fight earlier. And while we get to see the uh, the big underground bunker that Lex has set up, I basically, I thought of it as the uh, the Lex Cave.
1: <laughs> because you've you
0: got the, the big, like, the, I love that Easter egg of the big suit of armor, like the the uh, the Lexo suit, and yeah. uh, all these other cool things. But then all of a sudden, uh, Lex is just like, "Oh, and I've called in some extra help because we're going to need some more muscle on this." And Clark is like, "Well, well, who who'd you have in mind?" And then here comes Lobo, just like uh, walking down the stairs, and he's like, "How?" Uh, and Lex was like, "Oh, well, I just kind of." put in a bigger offer uh, to him than what the uh, people who had a bounty on your head had so I essentially just bought out the contract (laughs) and I was like that's okay Um, this is
1: the to me that moment is like um, putting the virus in the ship in Independence Day using a 1996
0: MacBook yeah it (laughs) doesn't it makes no sense (laughs) <laughs> like I realize, Lobo is driven by money, but that was one of those moments. That was like the only real moment in the movie where I I looked at the screen and was like, kind of side eyeing it a little bit. Like this is a real convenient development.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, money is the best uh, Deus Ex Machina that you can find.
0: It really, it's and- exactly what it was. I was like, so it's. I just wanted to ask Lex, does. Lobo take cash check, pay, uh, PayPal, Cash App, you Venmo and the guy. Uh, what what's the payment plan here? Uh, is American currency suddenly accepted intergalactically? Because that's a hell of a development. Uh, maybe go- maybe some gold. Yeah, it was maybe... in, It was interesting though that Lobo was in possession of a kryptonite ring. Uh. I thought that that was pretty cool. That and it kind of made sense too, because like he's been out there and probably yeah, would have.
1: Again, it's it's one of those things where there's nobody out there with any reason to believe that that would work.
0: That's true. Like he has no idea that Yeah, we know Knight. that.
1: That kryptonite hurt Superman. We we have eighty years of experience or, or seventy years of experience. Whatever uh, it's, it's, it's eighty. <laughs> Um, no, I meant just from the debut of, of The Substance. Oh, sure. Um, but they have no idea. He's never encountered it. Like, the planet exploded. So, yeah, kryptonite radiation killed uh, billions of kryptonians. But, you know, the planet going boom probably had something to do with that, too. So that that to me was just like, okay, yes, we we know why that works as the audience. But logically... It, it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, it's, why? Why, especially Lobo or whoever? I mean, unless you know the Guardians of the Universe are the ones who paid Lobo to take out Superman, uh, which also uh, would kind of make sense. And,
0: and speaking of that, though, Easter the Easter eggs abounded in this movie, and that's a good point to to bring up because Lobo uh, mentions that Earth is in Sector Two Eight One Four, and I leaned closer to the screen whenever they, whenever he said that, I was like, come again. Yeah. So, like, you
1: know, maybe it was the guardian.
0: I was like, you're speaking my language here. Lobo It's like, you're dropping in that green lantern Easter egg for me and I'm here for it. We've already had Martian Manhunter in this. And did you catch the, uh, the picture of Batman on the copier? Yes, that that was another one. I was like, okay, I like this uh, this little quick shot of Batman. This quick design of him looks like they're uh, they're going for a very like maybe year two, year three uh, take on Batman. If he were to uh, to have appeared here, he doesn't, but he's mentioned more than once. Yeah. Uh, like you get that mention of it uh, from Lois's notes, and then uh, when Martha. Uh, makes the suit for Superman and includes the uh, the cape in the suit. She says she did it because she, I think you mentioned this before, that uh, that she did it because she liked the way Batman looked. And
1: he looks so nice, yeah. He He looks like
0: such a nice man. (laughs) It's like, oh my god, oh poor Martha. (laughs) Once everybody learns more about Batman, that's how you know Batman's got to be young in this too. Um, yes. And that's that's how I prefer it. I prefer that Superman and Batman are not that far off in age. So maybe Batman's been around or been doing it for a, a year or two longer than what Clark has. But when it comes to their ages, I, I feel like it just – it works better if they're more peers than like one of them being exuberantly older than the other. It just Yeah, I agree. It, it makes more sense to me, and that's – that's something that I, I really liked about this, but uh, the the meat of this plot uh, is really driven by uh, the antagonist of the film. He's not, you know, or adversary, I guess, uh, because he's a he's a victim of circumstance in this. Uh, because during a a fight, I believe it's the fight with uh, with Lobo that star labs gets kind of jacked up and poor old, uh, janitor, Rudy Jones, uh, winds up getting covered in this, uh, uh, purple liquid that has the, uh, the ability to absorb pretty much everything around it. And he gets kind of absorbed into it, becoming the entity, uh, a classic Superman villain parasite. Uh, now he's, he kind of seen, he's, uh, he's voiced actually by agents of shield actor, Brett Dalton, uh, and I thought they did a pretty good job of humanizing this character. They give him a good backstory and they even give us a scene after he's become, uh, like the parasite monster where he goes and, uh, instinctively tries to see his family, but comes to, like, when his daughter sees him, she freaks out and like, sees a monster and he uh, very quickly like gets out and like just bails because he now realizes that he can't go home again. He can't go home like that. And I I found that seemed to actually be very effective. Uh, Whereas a lot of his story kind of gets like rushed a bit just because it is an animated movie. It is long though. It's an 86 minute animated movie, which is longer than, just about any of the others that... Almost uh, all of them. Yeah, almost on any of them. Uh, But still, this movie spends most of its time very laser-focused on Clark and developing his story. But it did give us a couple of moments there with Rudy Jones that I thought worked out pretty well. And, uh, you know, it showed that... uh, there are two sides to the uh, the power coin. You've got uh, the way that Clark treats the level of power that he has, and then you've got a guy like Rudy Jones who seems very nice and very like uh, warm and affectionate on the surface, but whenever he starts to get a taste of what real power is like, uh, he kind of goes the opposite direction with it and becomes more menacing, but of course he's dealing with it in a different way because he's like physically changed. He's physically... Uh, uh, repulsive in a lot of ways, and ultimately, kind of, I guess he just kind of turns into a full-on kaiju by the end of the movie. Uh, but that well, I
1: I really liked the the inclusion of parasite was a surprise to me because you don't really get him as a major villain for a lot of Superman stuff, but it works. So it worked really well here because of how tragic they made his story. And it's always, I mean, it's always been tragic. You know, he's, he didn't, he didn't set out to become what he was. He, it was an accident that caused him to become a monster. Uh, and they, they laid it out so well from the meeting with Clark at the uh, press conference where Lois takes Luther down all the way through, you know, you feel for the guy when he gets hit. He, you, you are, a little sad when, you know, he, he, t- he falls down into the surrounding acid or, or chemical substance, whatever it is. And, and it, and it swallows him whole. And I just, I love the way the evolution of the visual character of the parasite. Yeah. Because at first he looked, you know, they, they, they come right out and call him an energy vampire. And the first, um, the first look that we get of him, he looks like a Nosferatu. He looks like an old school vampire, and the look kind of evolves until, like you said, he turns into a kaiju at the end of the movie. But it it was just like different phases into different aspects of you know scary monsters. But it it starts with you know looking like a vampire. And you you mentioned the him visiting home. That that was one of those things where I was like, yeah, but um, as I was watching the movie, as he had just drained Martian Manhunter of his power, and that's why he was able to kind of phase out and be a little bit sneaky about everything and become invisible. They make it clear, even when he's fighting the parasite, that Martian Manhunter can shapeshift.
0: shift. Yeah, and I'm
1: just like, dude, just 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 change
0: change the way you look just look like you look like yourself
1: you can can do it i know you can
0: do it come on um how about
1: that and it was sad uh how about that
0: vicious uh i'm gonna put this in air quotes you can't see it but vicious death scene of martian manhunter Um, oh that
1: that kind of i was just like Wait, what? They had,
0: they had me for a second. They uh, had me for a second, because as like bright and like traditional a Superman movie as this was, and how and we know like that this is supposed to be setting up a uh, a universe or like a new interconnected DCU going forward. I was like, would they? Could they? Yeah, they could. Like that would be a very. Uh, Ballsy thing to do to introduce yeah. Martian Manhunter here, just to kill him off uh, in such a way. Uh, but there again, we hit we get another Deus Ex Machina in this. In that, when Martian Manhunter reappears later in the movie and is just fine, he says uh, something to the effect of uh, "You saw what I wanted you to see," and I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's convenient that you could just." do that but um we watched you incinerated uh when parasite used uh heat vision on you so that i don't know that 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 irked me a little bit um i found like like i said but honestly these all the complaints that i've had have been so minor because i mean if you're yeah if you're if you're worried about deus ex machina or um I mean you suspend –
1: you have to suspend your disbelief just a little bit when you're dealing with a comic book movie, an animated movie, whatever it
0: is. This sort of thing is just going to happen. Yeah. I think the only thing – the only thing that I just – I'm still not fully on board with, maybe it will get better with subsequent watchings, uh, is I'm not a huge fan of this version of Perry White. Uh, Oh,
1: thank you. I was going to bring that up. Now I don't have
0: to. It didn't work for me. Like I was like, I was like Perry White is not J Jonah Jameson. Why is he like this? Uh, I mean, it wasn't even, they didn't
1: even go so far as to make him J Jonah Jameson. It was just this nebulous, like uh, composite stereotype of a newspaper editor who is happy with conflict in the newsroom and just likes making people, um, you know, unhappy, I guess. Like, just, you know, wants to bring the best out in everybody by making sure that they're as far down as possible so they have to claw their way back up. Yep. And, listen, I've mm-hmm. worked with people like that. I mm-hmm. know that they, they are out there. And, yes, it is kind of realistic for a the the editor of a major metropolitan newspaper to act in such a way. However, that is not Perry White.
0: No, that is a, uh, that is a far cry from the Lane Smith version that I know and love. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: you know, even, even the, uh, even the uh, Forrest Whitaker version,
0: even um, the Lawrence, Fishburne.
1: Lawrence Fishburne version. Sorry. So even the Lawrence Fishburne version uh, was better than this. And, and I had, my my issues with with, with that, too. Um, but this was just... They didn't go... They didn't allow him... He was just, like, a minor character. You you could have made him anybody else and it would have been fine. You could have named him George Taylor and, you know, I, I wouldn't have cared. But because they called him Perry White, it was... You know, that's not... That's just not the way it is.
0: Yeah, that... That was the one part of the movie that was certainly not a traditional take on the character, and it was uh, a part that I didn't care to see much more of.
1: Um, Very groan-inducing.
0: Yeah, it was. And uh, I'm hoping for some some better in the future, but luckily he was such a minor character in the movie that you could almost forget that he was even there. Uh, yeah. And, he only sticks out to me because Perry White is such a, a big character for me. But, uh, you know, as a former journalist, as someone who's worked in the field, it's, uh, that's a big deal whenever they don't get those characters right. And this is one of those instances where they certainly didn't. But everything else uh, that I can say about the movie is this is actually a really well done film. Uh, it's one that, as I said at the beginning, I wanted to watch it immediately after. And uh, we mentioned that the, the John Byrne influences on it and also the uh, the Max Landis uh, American Alien series certainly had an influence on the way that they put their uh, their story together. And the, the the some of the visual cues are straight out of that comic series. Uh, it also has a little bit – uh, I think I mentioned of Mark Wade and Lionel Francis Hughes uh, Birthright. Yes. Uh, uh, there are there any other stories that it seemed to pull from for you? Like you're a, a no, huge think, Superman fan, so I'm sure that you've, uh, you know, had your own impressions.
1: I got most of my, most of the vibes for me came from Birthright,
0: honestly. Yep.
1: Uh, I think I felt like that was the biggest influence in the story and just taking Wade's story and just moving it forward about 10, 15 years into the future. Um. Um yeah uh, that that to me was the biggest
0: influence uh and it even had a little bit of uh, maybe the earth one uh first volume in there uh in particular with uh, the way lois is uh, is written and yeah i'm I'm really hopeful for this uh this new universe going forward. I think that the this is a solid solid start uh for the uh, for where they uh, hopefully are going to go, hopefully it's going to lead to other movies for like other solo movies for the uh, for the various uh, DC heroes, and we'll build up to a a coming together of their universe. And it's I, I would say that it's off to a uh, a pretty great start overall, and I can't wait to see uh, to see more of it. Uh, now, uh, before we uh, close out, we're going to give the movie a, a final. Uh, I guess out of 10, like if you were to, to grade the movie on that kind of curve, uh, what, uh, where, where would it land for you? It's a solid eight. Okay. Now yeah. there,
1: there's an, an, enough minor nitpicks to bring it down a, pe- a couple pegs, tags, but nothing serious.
0: Uh, uh, that's pretty much where I'm at with it too. It's an, it's an eight for me. It's, a uh, it lands right on it. I don't think that it's like just barely getting to that eight. I think that that's a, it's just a solid eight out of ten movie, well worth watching again. And it's probably going to be one that I, I will call back to and say this is an example of how to do a really good uh, Superman movie. And yeah,
1: despite despite being able to have seen it for free at the, the during the fandom World Premiere. This is not something I have any problems putting down money for to own so that I can watch it over and over again.
0: You know, it, it is worth that. Uh, I was glad that I waited to to see it uh, at FanDome. Uh, and what a great treat for everybody that, uh, that got to see it there. You know, uh, just a tremendous bit of... Uh, of freebies and shows that, uh, DC fandom is such a, a wonderful event and I hope they do it again. Now every year, I hope that this is, this is something that we keep getting over and over and over again, but unlike you, I'm probably going to go, uh, actually buy this movie because I think that it is worth owning and is worth watching over and over again. So yeah, Superman man of tomorrow gets the DC for you seal of approval. Uh, Go check that one out. Uh, you can get it on Blu-ray, DVD, uh, 4K, HD. Now you can buy it digitally, which is probably the better way to go, uh, as that's the future of, of media. Who um, needs all of those boxes? Nobody.
1: No.
0: Nobody needs these boxes. I have, like digital I have media. Too many. I have too many DVDs to begin
1: with. I don't need to buy anymore.
0: You know but
1: A digital movie. Happy to pay to pay for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I can pull that up on my phone. I can stream it from my phone, my tablet, my television, whatever. Just uh, don't don't have any need for more boxes taking up space. That's yep. that that is unnecessary. And
1: and 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 that's coming from you. And you're not living in a small apartment in Queens.
0: I am not. So, uh, I know. Uh, I'm actually doing this. This is my first show from my uh, my new home. My fiance and I bought a house, so we are yeah. Congratulations. Uh, uh, we are. In process of uh getting everything set up i'm still gonna i'm gonna be in that process probably for months honestly (laughs) Um, (laughs) me me personally because i'm i don't i can never settle into a place or at least it takes me a while to get there yeah but eventually i kind of like work. it's like working my uh my butt indention into a, a couch or like my laying spot in a bed or something it takes me a little while to form it but once it's there it's there uh and that's where I want to be, so that is what I will be doing uh for the next couple of uh months here is just working my butt and into it uh it's a big house, so i got a I got a lot of, of wiggling to do. <laughs> oh God, this metaphor's gone off the rails but <laughs> um, but as is. Thanks for joining me on this one, Steven. We're going to have to do this again. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, we're going to have to get together and talk some more, uh, Superman, some more, uh, DC comics, uh, down the road. And I'm sure that we will come up with plenty of other things that, uh, that you and I will reconnect with. Uh, And of course, guys, uh subscribe to the Lil Old Podcast Network on Podbean, on iTunes. Uh I believe we're on Spotify now too. So uh yeah, like we're we're everywhere. Just look for Lil Old Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at old Podcast. Uh like our page on Facebook, you'll find us uh there too. Uh, got lots of great shows coming, uh, down the pipe, uh, from, uh, more DC for you is going to be coming up. And of course, uh, you can listen to, uh, the latest, uh, episodes of Sunday groove. Uh, you can check out, uh, 90 to nothing with, uh, me and my cohort, Sam Neely checking out all the, our favorite films from the 1990s. And there, there are more podcast shows, uh, coming down the way. So just stay tuned for all of those, uh, Thank you again, Stephen. Uh, plug your stuff.
1: Well, you can always find the some fun reviews of comic books, movies, television shows, and music over at my site, thecasualgeekery.com. and you know follow us on Twitter at thecasualgeekery, and uh, actually it's at casual underscore geekery. And uh you know Facebook uh, on Facebook as well, and you know have a lot of fun with everything that's coming out these days
0: a bunch of smart people working over there at the casual Geekery so you guys definitely need to go and subscribe to everything that they got it's uh It's a great feed and certainly uh some great insights, and they'll point you in the right direction of uh, some good quality stuff if you're looking for a for a like just really well-informed opinion. Everybody's got an opinion, but very few people have a well-informed opinion. And that's... And
1: and lots of Superman.
0: Yes. That's that's a must. That's, that is the reason that Steven is here on this podcast episode, because nobody loves the Man of Steel quite like uh, Mr. Ferrari, except for maybe Mr. Greg Phillips, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> now... Of course, thank you guys again for joining us here uh, on DC for you. Hopefully you're all staying safe in your own personal uh, fortress of solitude or Batcave uh, or uh, maybe even staying mobile in your own invisible jet. Or hell, maybe you've uh, retired back to the uh, paradise island of Themyscira. Why didn't you take the rest of us with you? But, you know, it's time of COVID. I get it. I, I get it. Anyway, thanks for joining us again on DC for you. And we'll see you next time.